Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNBR to take advantage of their deals. Hope everybody is having a solid start to their week. Happy Wednesday, folks. Going to break down a big time road victory for the Rams, 83-64 over UNC in Greeley. Really nice rebound performance after losing to Steve Smiley's squad at home last season. Never really in doubt in this one. Did go down 7-2 early, but we're pretty much in firmly, uh, we're pretty much firmly in control throughout. Going to dive into those takeaways after that. I will give a couple of thoughts on this Oregon State-Washington State situation. The courts ruled in favor of them and not the departing Pac-10. That's huge. That would mean that they control the future of the Pac-12, and it opens up the possibility for a revamped Pac-12 with some Mountain West schools, with some AAC schools. Going to be really interesting. Just briefly here in the intro, I did want to go through some bold projections for CSU football. Obviously, don't want to get the cart out in front of the horse here. Still have to take care of business and win not one, but two deceptively tricky matchups. But the uh, the national outlook seems to be that they expect the Rams in a bowl game, so I'll dive through those. I'll give you my updated top 25 very quickly. But here's where we're at as far as bowl projections go. I didn't find any for the New Mexico Bowl, which was a little interesting to me. That'd probably be my top choice as far as six and six bowls go, just in terms of convenience for Ram fans and, and being able to travel, affordability, the timing. Having a bowl on December 16th versus like the 23rd or 26th is a lot more ideal in the holiday season. Uh, anyways, starting with the Action Network, Brett McMurphy has CSU in the Frisco Bowl versus Texas State on December 19th. Texas State, a revamped program this year. I think it would actually be a, a pretty fun matchup. And as far as the possible outcomes go, that certainly would be all right with me. Anything's better than Boise. Obviously, you don't want to end up in the Hawaii Bowl. I don't even think they would with CSU having to play Hawaii in the final regular season game, then turning around and forcing them to go there for a bowl game wouldn't make any sense. But uh, anyways, Brett McMurphy has them in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, Kyle Bonagura of ESPN has them in the Cure Bowl, which is out in Orlando on December 16th versus Marshall, rematch of the 2017 New Mexico Bowl. I'll be honest, though, that one really doesn't do much for me facing a team you faced last time in a bowl game. Don't love that other than, I guess, the potential for revenge. But none of these players were on the team, so it's not like they're going to be driven. It's a completely different staff. I don't know. Just it, it, I can't imagine getting to Orlando at that time of year is super affordable. And basically, if you're going to play in one of these more random bowls, I would prefer that it be in... Albuquerque or Frisco or Dallas or something like that, just where it's a little bit more affordable for people coming from Colorado. Though, of course, I guess there are Ram fans all over the country. So it just 
Kind of depends. Uh, Jaina Bardell of The Athletic also has CSU in the Frisco Bowl. She has them playing Rice. Again, that's on December 19th. Makes a lot of sense from a ticket sales perspective. If they do get in that Frisco Bowl, probably going to end up playing one of those smaller Texas schools, whether it's Rice or Texas State. Uh, Rice would be interesting because you've got the, the McCaffrey kid out there, Luke. Eric Smith of USA Today has CSU in the Myrtle Beach Bowl playing Georgia Southern. That's on December 18th in Myrtle Beach. Not a, not a ton to say on that one. Georgia Southern definitely does not move you as an opponent. Myrtle Beach might be kind of cool, but again, I don't know how affordable that is for Ram fans, especially around Christmas time. Uh, finally, we've got Nick Bromberg of Yahoo, and he has CSU, again, playing in the Cure Bowl out in Orlando against Georgia Southern. So we've got some overlap as far as bowl projection goes. A couple of people have them in the Cure Bowl in Orlando. Uh, a couple of people have them playing Georgia Southern, but in different bowls. A couple of people have them in the Frisco Bowl. Just something to keep an eye on. It is interesting to see that uh, none of these bowls are, I guess, outside of the Frisco Bowl with a loose association, are contractually tied into the Mountain West. But that could definitely be the case this year, especially if the league ends up having more bowl-eligible spots than they do to fill those six bowls or however many it is. I believe it's six off the top of my head. Arizona, Boise, Hawaii, New Mexico, got the LA Bowl. I think I'm missing one. Anyways, just interesting to see where the Rams are at as far as the projections go but obviously have to take care of business starting this weekend against Nevada. And you know that Wolfpack team would absolutely love to play spoilers. We'll talk about that more in the next couple of days. Real quick, though, I just wanted to give a brief update on my top 25. Nothing official. I don't have a a vote, obviously, in the college football playoff process or in the AP poll even. But I, I am a devout college football consumer, and I like to give you guys an idea of just where I think the national college football landscape stands. So let's just dive right into it. Starting with number one, I've got Georgia back at the top. The past couple of weeks, I had had Michigan above them, despite the fact that Michigan really has just not played much of a schedule this year, did dominate Penn State. That's why I still have them at two. I felt like that game, Michigan, I mean, was even bigger blowout than the score kind of indicates. They ran that down their throat. But I've got Georgia at number one after back-to-back ranked wins, beat a really good Missouri team, follow it up with a dominant, dominant win over Ole Miss. Classic Georgia. Just when we start to doubt them a little bit, complain about them playing with their food, they turn it up a little bit and remind everybody that this has been the best program in the country for multiple years now for a reason. At three, I've got Florida State. I just like them better than Ohio State. I like that offense with Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman better. I think they're more dangerous, and I think their resume is impressive. I've got Ohio State at four, Washington five, Oregon six. I really struggle here with five through eight because I, as a matter of principle, believe that head-head should matter, especially if it's really close. And because of that, I have Washington above Oregon. They have that head-to-head win. Same reason I have Texas above Alabama, though I think if they played right now, Oregon would beat Washington, and I think Bama would beat Texas right now. But the results do have to count for something. And because of that, I've got Washington 5, Oregon 6. 
I have Texas seven, Alabama eight, despite the fact that I think, you know, Alabama and Oregon would win those respective matchups. I've got Oregon State at nine, Missouri at 10, Louisville 11, Penn State 12. You could really argue that nine through 12 could be any combination of these teams. They're all right around the same record at, you know, nine and one, eight and two. I ended up putting Missouri at 10 just over Louisville and Penn State because I think this Mizzou team is really dangerous and they did lose to Georgia, but I think offensively they're quite interesting and I struggle with Penn State. Like they're going to probably win 10 games this year. Same deal with Ole Miss, but you know that they were a clear cut below those other contenders. Still a great season. You would take it in a heartbeat, but it's an interesting spot. I've got LSU at 14, though I think they could beat any of these teams ahead of them, especially with how Jaden Daniels is playing right now. I've, then I've got OU at 15, followed by James Madison at 16. James Madison undefeated. I've got them higher than the AP does, and that's just because of how dominant they've been, especially down the stretch here. You could make an argument that Tulane should be above them. Tulane 9-1. and one. I've got Tulane just one spot below James Madison. First two G5 teams going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The, the battle for the New Year's Six representation. At 18, I've got Arizona coming off of a win over CU, but they've got three ranked wins in the last month. Then I've got Utah at 19. I really don't know what to do with them. They're, they have these impressive moments. They also have these fluky moments. I know they haven't had their quarterback all year. I do think they're a top 20 team for sure. Probably should be a top 15 team. But again, a clear cut below those other teams in the Pac-12 this year. I've got K-State at 20, North Carolina at 21. North Carolina has responded after a couple of tough losses there. At Notre Dame, I have them all the way down at 20. Three after losing to a bad Clemson team. or Then I've got Iowa, Liberty, and UNLV rounding it out at 25. You know, I had to get a little Mountain West love in there at the end of the day. Fresno and Air Force have really dropped the ball these last couple weeks and really left this this possibility for chaos here on the table. It's going to be fun to see who ends up in the Mountain West Championship game, especially with UNLV playing Air Force this week, and then a red-hot San Jose State team. Spartans dumped Fresno. Very well could win out. But yeah, that's my top 25. We're going to move on. We are going to talk some hoops here. But High Plains Strains provides top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, and some of the best flour in the state. There are three High Plains strains location in Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, and Sedgwick. If you're in northeastern Colorado, there's a dispensary for you. You can save time by ordering ahead online at highplainsstrains.com. Then you can pick up at their locations, and with winter coming, their drive throughs at each location make it so you don't even have to get out of your car. Man, how far we have come as a society... 18-year-old JTM would have lost his mind over that type of service. He used to get in a in a car with some sketchy dude and wait for him to hook you up. Now you just go through the drive-thru like it's Starbucks. Uh, check out High Plains Strains. If you're in Northeastern Colorado, you can use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores for access to special deals. Now through Green Friday, which is November 24th, get a half ounce for 45 bucks. Other Green Friday deals are a full ounce for 80 
Uh, Veritas 8s for 25 and Mammoth 1 gram cartridges for 15 and Exquisite Extracts 4 for 40. Remember to use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plain strains holiday deals. If you do take advantage of those deals and you're strolling out in public, maybe walking around the park or something, you might need some new shades to keep your eyes nice and hidden. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and affordable price. Shady Rays are an independent sunglasses company, but they offer a world-class product, and it's just as good as any expensive pair I've ever worn. They're perfect for outdoor adventures with highly durable frames and extremely clear optics. And what's epic about Shady Rays is they have your back, even long after you purchase. If you break or lose your pair, even on day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can shop their entire collection at their brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love them, just return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Just go to ShadyRays.com. Use that code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Cool, cool, cool. Now that we've taken care of business, let's talk about CSU taking care of business on the road up in Greeley. Unfortunately, had to be remote for this one as well. This bronchitis has just been kicking my ass. Fortunately, on some antibiotics now, it only took me a week of being sick before I finally sucked in my pride a little bit and (laughs) went and got a prescription. But, uh, on on the upward trajectory, starting to feel a little bit better, which is encouraging. Anyways, getting back into it, always a deceptively tricky matchup. It's the biggest game of the year for UNC. They want to play spoilers. And to the credit of UNC, much like volleyball, they're significantly more competitive in basketball than they are in football. It's just so hard for UNC to compete in football in the big sky or going against the Montanas and Montana states of the world legitimately the the SEC of FCS football. But since making that jump to D1, UNC has been a very respectable hoops program. They've been really good these last couple of years, and it's felt like they've shot lights out every single time they played the Rams. That was not the case this time, and you, you got to credit UNC for being scrappy, refusing to lay down, pulled back within 13 with a little under six minutes to go. And, and I do think they'll win some games this year but they just don't have the same scoring that they had last year. Lost, you know, a transfer to Tennessee. Dalen Coots moved moved on. It was just a it was just a tough spot for them. They were outmanned in this one defensively. This was probably the best performance of the season for CSU. Just really consistent for 40 straight minutes. The on-ball defense was stellar. I've talked about it a lot, but Josiah Strong, Jalen Lake just continue to impress me out there along the perimeter. Neat Clifford is a big part of that as well. They took away driving lanes. They switched effectively. Uh, did a nice job on the pick and roll. Really, really just good stuff. I mean, I, I loved that it was consistent, and I loved that the effort did not dip at all when there were some stagnant offensive stretches, and they weren't long, but this very easily could have been a 20-point game at the half. It could have been a 30-plus point win for sure. I mean, the Rams missed a lot of open shots from three strong and and late continue to miss open ones, but they're shooting confidently, and I expect those to fall as the season goes on. 
Cartier missed some easy ones in the paint that he never misses. I think he missed a three or two as well. I mean, there there were just opportunities to really extend the lead in the second half. They had a couple of two, three-minute stretches where they got a little sloppy with the basketball. Ten turnovers is a season high for CSU, though that's not a massive number by any means. Nothing to panic over. Honestly, my opinion of this game is the fact that the Rams were able to win this by 19, so business-like, so casually, really never having to sweat it out when it wasn't their best offensive game. The ball movement was solid. Again, they just missed a lot of easy looks that they normally don't miss. But the fact that they were able to win this way when offensively it it wasn't rolling, to me, that speaks volumes to the potential of this team because anyone can win by 20 when they're hitting every jumper, when the basket feels like it's 10 feet wide, when you can win by 20 and you're not even playing your best basketball per se, that's when you really got something going. And I just think the maturity of this group is going to be so big because this very easily could have been a letdown performance. A lot of these guys weren't even on the team last year when UNC smacked them. They don't have that same emotional feeling of wanting to get payback but they just kind of went in there and executed. They took care of business. It felt like a business trip. I'm getting a little redundant, but that's really what it felt like. And yeah, there were moments where offensively you missed some shots where you got a little too loose with the basketball and had some turnovers. But ultimately this game was never in doubt. You go down seven, two early, immediately respond. It's a 13 point lead by half. Lead grows to as large as 21 down the stretch. UNC did at one point pull within 13. Uh, They went on a 6-0 run. It it drew a Rams timeout with 540 left. And then CSU immediately responds with a 9-2 run of their own. And on top of that, it was a really heady situation. Isaiah and Joel Scott immediately go straight to the rim, draw fouls, hit their free throws. And after that, you see Joe Palmer hit a big three. That was his second of the night. He just finds a way to make the most of his minutes. Doesn't try and do too much. Doesn't try and play hero ball, but he's going to dive for every loose ball on the floor. He's aggressive on D. He's aggressive on the glass. And some of these jumpers he's hitting from deep are pretty impressive. It's not like he's just a, a hustle guy. Like he can ball a little bit. And I mean, it makes sense, right? You got to have some swag to your game if you're going to be a a white boy out there wearing a headband, unironically, and he pulls it off. He he absolutely pulls it off. It it goes with this game. Headband Joe, man. Another another solid performance. I just really like this roster from top to bottom, and I I could say positive things about just about everyone. You know, offensively, Strong's jumper hasn't been there. He's been probably the best on-ball defender on the team, or you can make an argument for, you know, Clifford, there. Jalen Lake's been great defensively. He's moving the ball. He's attacking the glass. It's just, it's a really well-constructed team with rosters or with a roster full of veterans that all understand their role. And you know, I don't want to get too carried away here. It's early November. You're only three games in. The schedule is only going to get harder from here. But I, I was cautiously optimistic about this coming in and I wanted to to see the team in action I genuinely think this team can be as good as two years ago I'm not sure they have a guy that can 
take over quite in the same way that Roddy did. He was just such a unique, skilled player, could score at all three levels, could dominate you physically. I mean, he just truly was a unicorn. But Isaiah's only gotten better since then. He is a lethal scorer now. Uh, on top of everything he brings to the table as a floor general, he's always been a maestro out there dishing dimes. But th- the shots he makes these last couple of years have just been insane. And when you look at the roster in terms of three through nine to 10, this is a better team. This is, it's a more athletic roster. I think it's more versatile, especially on the defensive side. And I'm not saying this to take shots at any of those guys that were in the program a couple of years ago. And, you know, most of them have moved on. I, I've got nothing but love for all those guys, Thistlewood and Kendall Moore and DT and, and Riv and, and all those guys. But this is a better team. It is. And just when you look at how athletic this group is, how versatile they are offensively and, and defensively, it's definitely a better team. I think this team's ceiling can be right around where that group was two years ago, hopefully even you know win an NCAA tournament game. Bad draw against Michigan. I've said that a million times. But this is a dangerous group. It really is. And you're seeing it right away. It's not taking really any time for them to mesh together. It's just, it's really encouraging. And it speaks to the talent they have. It speaks to the coaching staff, being able to go out and identify not only the right fits in terms of basketball, but the right fits in terms of the type of people that they are and just being unselfish and willing to serve a role. Because I said at the beginning of the season, I said it after night one, the biggest challenge for this group is going to be managing human nature and the fact that they have more guys that are capable of contributing in a major way than are going to get to all year. It's just the reality. So can guys put the ego aside and be willing to do whatever it takes to win? If they are, look out. Because this team is deep. And it's not going to be a situation where you can just shut one guy down. They're going to be couple of Patrick Cartier games where, you know, he goes for 20-plus flirts with a 30-burger. There's going to be plenty of Isaiah Knights. Nick Clifford was huge in this one. Joel Scott being a, an 18-10 and 10 guy essentially is, is certainly a welcome sight. I just, I, I think this group can be so good. And we saw a lot of really positive, positive things in this one, even though it wasn't necessarily the cleanest performance overall. I just think... This team's potential is is really high. Uh, as far as the individuals go, Joel Scott now has 50 straight double-digit scoring performances. That, of course, goes back to his time at Black Hills State, but he has hit the ground running. I mean, there's no question about whether his game was going to translate at this level or not. Along with Scott, another big game for Neat Clifford. The CU transfer had the first CSU double-double of his career. Uh, 11 points, a career-high 14 rebounds, continues to really shoot the three-ball well. Three of five from deep. I believe they were all catch-and-shoot opportunities. Haven't had a chance to rewatch this game yet, but at least two of three were based on my notes. I think it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious, that I had CU fans push back on my preseason statement that Nick Clifford would be maximized within this system because he has been everything we hope for and more and with what he brings to the table defensively and in transition and getting to the hoop if he keeps shooting threes like this oh my god 
what a steal. Amazing what happens when you put individuals in a situation where they're able to maximize their greatest strengths. Good stuff happens. Crazy, right? Uh, Isaiah Stevens led the team in scoring 24 points, 8 of 15 from the floor. He went 4 of 5 from deep as well. They are getting him some opportunities to get catch-and-shoot threes as well where they're setting some back screens for him. They tried to do more of that last year than they were able to, but it, it was just a situation where the roster got really dinged up and it, it put CSU in a spot where Isaiah essentially had to have the ball in his hands creating not just for himself, but everyone else out on the floor. If you can take some of that pressure off and allow him to get those looks with how good of a three-point shooter he's become, that's going to be huge, especially you know while Josiah Strong and Jalen Lake are are still trying to find their shot. And again, it, it's going to fall. Both those guys over the course of their careers have been solid three-point shooters at a high volume. They have great form. They shoot it with confidence. I'm not worried about it, especially when I'm getting the kind of defense I am out of those two guys. And you're able to lean on the offensive production of Isaiah, Scott, and Clifford. You're going to win a lot of games if those three combine for 55 to 60 points a night. You just are. And so far really hitting the ground running as a unit. Cartier was quieter offensively than he normally is. He only had eight points on three and nine from the floor. He's another guy that most nights is going to be 15 plus. But like I said, at the end of the day, you did enough. Yeah, 18 points out of the bench. Eight of those were from Joe Palmer, which was huge. Yet 60 out of those three, 20 points on the bench, you're already looking at 80. You know, Cartier's going for five, six more a night. That's like 85, 90 points a night if you're consistent like this. So I, I just, I'm really encouraged, especially because this wasn't their best performance. You missed a lot of open looks and you still managed to go 47.5% from the floor while holding UNC to just 37% shooting. Uh, they shot 39% from three-point range versus 26 from the Bears. They finished plus six on the glass overall, plus nine in defensive rebounds. Have seen some comments about the lack of offensive rebounds, and they certainly could use a, a few more here and there, but the effort these last two games has been better than it was in night one, and ultimately a lot of that is impacted by the way CSU gets back on defense, which is their bigger priority, and it's kind of one of those situations where you've got to pick your poison. Either you crash the glass or you get back on D. It's hard to do both, but so long as you aren't getting killed on the other end and giving up a ton of second chance points yourself and you're knocking down shots for the most part, you're going to be fine. It's just not something that I'm worried about. Uh, the Rams led for 35 minutes and 38 seconds in this one. Really just a solid road win against a team that always seems to be up for this matchup. So I, I thought this was a really encouraging start to the road slate for the Rams. They've really set themselves up nicely here so long as they take it, uh, take care of business on Friday night to go undefeated into that MTE event out in Kansas City next week. If you're able to beat Boston College, could potentially be looking at a Thanksgiving Day game against Creighton, which would be a lot of fun. Just a really solid start to the season overall, and I'm really excited. I'm excited that Moby Madness is back. I got to give so much credit to Nico Medved and Ali and Cooley and all these guys for revamping this roster in a major way. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got some big home games coming up too. So try to get up to Fort Collins if you are able to. This program, they deserve your support. They certainly do. 
Uh, the women's team, ton of fun as well. Rolling, they're trying to move to 3-0 and as well. Before we get out of here, I'm going to give a couple of thoughts on this Oregon State-Washington State situation. Not going to beat a dead horse because I've made it pretty clear over the last year where I think this is heading, but I do want to talk to you guys about a fun trip coming up with our partners over at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. The Broncos play the Raiders to close the year, and you can go out on the Circa Broncos road trip. It includes 20% off a two-night stay at the Circa Resort and Casino, two tickets to the Winter Swim and Concert, two passes to Stadium Swim. You get an annual Die Hard membership package included, so you become a DNVR member as part of this trip. Really, really awesome. If you want to watch the game at the pool, you can. There's also an option to buy a ticket. Circa is one of the sickest spots I have ever been in my life. Had so much fun when I stayed out there last summer. Make sure that you guys check it out as well. Also, if you're going to be in Vegas in general, even if you're not going on the Broncos trip, you can stay at the Circa Resort and book your trip for a 20% discount when you use the code DNVR. Download the Circus Sports Colorado app at circusports.com. Circus Sports bets can be made only while physically located in Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Also, when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker are here to help. Bax and Shanker win for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars. That's with a B for their clients. And they have more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker help with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault. Car accident, motorcycle, ride share, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Finally, make sure you check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you that offers the sweet, sweet nectar of the gods that is a Breckenridge beer. I love Breck because of their love and passion for making good beer. They've been doing it for 33 years. They're awesome partners. They've been with us since day one. They've got a little something for everyone. I'm a big Avalanche Amber Ale guy. Can't go wrong with the Mountain Beach Sour. Fun Slinger is is perfect, really crushable on the mountain. Again, check out that Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Also, hit up the Breck Farmhouse out in Littleton. Awesome, awesome food. I recently tried their revamped French dip. Mwah! Absolutely delicious chef's kiss. I love Breck Brew. You love Breck Brew. We all love Breck Brew. Let's have a Breck Brew. All right, now that we've paid the bills, let's wrap it up. And I'm I'm not going to spend very much time on this. I just really wanted to say good for Oregon State and Washington State, man. And if they want to, now that they control the, the interest of the Pac-12, they technically could... <laughs> They could rule the other 10 schools ineligible for the Pac-12 championship this year if they wanted to get real petty. I doubt they do it, but I, I believe that has happened before. There is some precedent there. I just thought it was hilarious that the departing 10 schools with the serious face tried to imply that they deserve that money that's coming into the Pac-12 when they're leaving the Pac-12, when they wanted to dissolve the Pac-12. And publicly we're seeing statements from 
you know, the Washington lawyer. This would do irreparable damage to these, you know, programs and their athletic departments. You mean irreparable damage, like leaving Oregon State and Washington State behind? Like wanting to dissolve a conference with a hundred years of history? Cry me a river. I mean, talk about operating in bad faith. These selfish, selfish assholes of all these programs. It's just, it's disgusting. And I'm, I'm stoked for Oregon State and Washington State. They got totally screwed in this whole situation. And now it's going to get interesting because with access to that money, and I know there's still stuff with the Comcast lawsuit, and I think they owe the Holiday Bowl a bunch of money too. It's going to get weird, but maybe they pay the buyouts for a couple of these Mountain West schools for you know, San Diego State, Boise, CSU, and UNLV, and maybe Fresno. I don't think they would take the entire league. I don't, and that opens up some other potential hurdles. For instance, do CSU and Wyoming end up staying together if this comes to fruition? There's a lot of different side impacts that could come of it, and that's just the reality of the situation now that we're in, and you got to blame schools like Texas and Oklahoma and USC and UCLA for causing all this, but it's going to get really, really interesting these next couple of years. All I do know is it, it feels pretty inevitable that in some form or fashion, CSU, San Diego State, UNLV, Boise, and I think probably Fresno are going to be in a, a new league with Oregon State and Washington State, a revamped Pac-12. Wouldn't surprise me if they take a couple of teams from the AAC as well. I guess it really depends on how PAC do you want to be. Is the Pac-12 willing to include somebody like Tulane, or are we going to have a little bit more common sense and keep it on this half of the country? I understand going into Texas, maybe, but this situation just got a whole lot juicier, and Oregon State and Washington State now hold all the cards, which is really great to see, again, because they have just gotten totally screwed in what's you know become basically college football consolidation and will largely be bad for the vast majority of diehard college football fans. I'm pulling for Oregon State and Wazoo. I'm looking forward to being in a conference with them down the line. I think they're a very natural fit. I think the potential of a league with teams like Oregon State, Wazoo, Boise, San Diego State, Fresno, UNLV, CSU could be very fun. I personally would like to have Wyoming in there. I, I just love the border war that much. I want CSU and Wyoming to stay together. I don't want anything that potentially makes it so they don't play annually anymore. At the end of the day, I understand that CSU has got to do what's best for CSU and all these schools do. But I do think that there is something to be said about a shared history together and some of these schools having each other's back during a time when we've basically seen all of that go out the window. So maybe I'm Maybe I'm romanticizing a rivalry too much. Maybe I'm being unrealistic during these modern times. But that's how I feel. That's that's my two cents. I care that much about the border war. That rivalry means infinitely more to me than CSU, CU, Air Force, not even a question, not even close. But it, it certainly looks like we are looking at a future where CSU is in, a, in the Pac-12, <laughs> in a revamped Pac-12. I know it's not the Pac-12 of old, but still potentially an opportunity to be in a more intriguing league 
or at least a more intriguing version of this league, depending on what happens as far as a reverse merger, that type of stuff goes. I'm, I'm excited, cautiously excited. Anyways, that's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, voices kind of dying here. Shout out to everybody. I appreciate you. And all the well wishes I've received will hopefully be back at full strength in the very near future. Big Hoops game coming up Friday night, as well as an even bigger football game on Saturday. Rams trying to stay alive against Nevada. Keep those bowl hopes on the table. It's the game you should absolutely win at home, but as I've said a million times, never discount how up for this game Nevada is going to be and the drive to want to play spoilers. So we'll talk about that more in the coming days. Uh, DNVR Rams Live will be back on Thursday, 9.30 in the morning. Me and Andre breaking down that Nevada game, talking about our power rankings, picks for the weekend, all that fun stuff. I'll be live Sunday morning, either 9.30 or 10.30. I'll post that on Twitter as well. Uh, The same will go for the following Sunday on that late night game. By the way, just to get ahead of it so that people aren't confused, download the Team One Sports app right now. That's going to be the way you're watching CSU Hawaii next week. It's unfortunate that if CSU wins this weekend, a game that will be determining CSU's postseason fate will be a 10 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff on a channel that's only accessible via phone or tablet. You can't even have it like on a laptop or or something like that. But at the end of the day, at least the the broadcast is available. It's free. I have never had any issues technically with it. So that's all all great. I mean, it's just kind of one of those situations where you can choose to look at it where the the glass is half full. No, this is not as optimal of a situation as being on CBS Sports, FS1, something like that. At the same time, as somebody that grew up in the early 2000s when there were a lot of CSU games, football and basketball, that just weren't watchable. If you weren't there in person, the fact that we have so many options for free these days in the Mountain West, I'll take what I can get. Much love, y'all. Shout out to the new presenting sponsors, High Plains Strains. Again, use that code DNVR. Always proud to be. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli, turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys, like the only thing I drive is RCR. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like not from Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.